And this is our number two. It's time for the fastest 15 minutes in the news. This is Dory's Fastest 15. Oh, it's a world of news in a tidy little 15-minute package just for you. Welcome to our Fastest 15. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, Dave Wyman is going to join us for his weekly visit. Gosh, I always look forward to that. So uh, we got a, we got a lot of stuff to do between now and then when Mr. Wyman graces us with his presence. Uh, so let's get into the fastest 15 here. So as you no doubt know, there was a woman in the Tri-Cities named Baronelle Stutzman. She had been a florist for decades in the Tri-Cities, and she loved her customers, and her customers loved her. And among the customers where there was mutual love were these two men who had often shopped at her flower stand. And when the two men, she you know, thought the world of them, sold them flowers all the time. When those two men decided that they were going to get married, they asked Baronel Stutzman if she would do the flowers for their wedding ceremony. And she said, no, that goes against my, my religion, but I'd be happy to recommend, because there are lots of florists in the Tri-Cities who would do flowers for a gay wedding ceremony. Well, you may recall, we've, we've talked to Baronel a couple of times on this show, and our attorney general, Bob Fergie Ferguson, he decided that he was going to torture this woman because her faith did not allow her to do flowers for a gay wedding. She said, I'll sell you flowers. But just that ceremony is something that's contrary to my faith, Uh, which whether you agree or disagree with her on that, it is her right as a free person in a free land to exercise her religion as she sees fit. But Bob Fergie Ferguson decided that he was going to make an example out of her, that he was going to destroy Baronel Stutzman. And so he engaged in a multi-year vendetta against Baronel Stutzman that ended up going to the Washington State Supreme Court. And that's when the Supreme Court said, yes, because being gay is on the list of protected groups in Washington State, then if she sells flowers to anybody, she has to sell them to to all. Now, of course, if there was a butcher who was Muslim and didn't want to sell any pork products, and somebody came in and said, hey, I'd like to get some uh, sausage, sausages for my daughter's wedding reception. Can you give me some pork sausage? If uh, Islamic, I said, no, I'm sorry, I can't do that because of my faith. There's no way that Bob Fergie Ferguson would ever go after that person. But Christians are an enemy of the far left. And Christians are an enemy of Bob Fergie Ferguson. And so he decided that he was going to destroy this woman. And professionally, he did. He ran her out of business. Now, I wish that Baronel Stutzman had appealed this to the United States Supreme Court because it was so clear to me from day one that Bob Ferguson was violating the Washington State Constitution, which says that you cannot be disturbed in person or property based on your religious views. 
and he was destroying her, her person and her property, because of her religious views. And I now believe more than ever that she would have been successful if she had taken this to the U.S. Supreme Court because there's a very similar case in Colorado where a cake baker, a guy named Jack Phillips, same thing. He was asked if he would do a wedding cake for a same-sex couple. And he said, no. He goes, it's, my faith does not allow me to do my art. And that's what flower arrangers and cake bakers, they view what they do as art. And you can't compel somebody to do their art in a certain way if it's not something that they truly believe and feel, or in this case, it's not part of their faith doctrine. And so uh, this ended up going all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court, where there was questioning yesterday. We're not going to find out the final results for a few months. But basically, the Colorado Solicitor General, their Fergie Ferguson, uh, essentially admitted that he sent the cake baker through a re-education program. Supreme Court Justice Neil Gorsuch, he questioned the Solicitor General. He said, tell me about your legal remedy. And the guy said, no, 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 it's not a re-education program per se. And then Gorsuch said, Mr. Phillips did go through a re-education training program pursuant to your law, did he not? And the Solicitor General said, he went through a process that ensured he was familiar with, and then Gorsuch cut him off and said, it was a re-education program, right? It was not a re-education program. What do you call it? It was a process to make sure he was familiar with our law. So in other words, it was a re-education program. It looks like the Supreme Court is going to rule in favor of the cake maker. You cannot tell somebody that they must do their art in violation with their religious faith. And in Washington State, we had a tyrannical AG that just ran roughshod over Baronel Stutzman, and after decades in business, she finally got out after she'd been years in battle with the state of Washington. It looks like this baker in Colorado is going to prevail, but we'll watch that one very carefully for you. All right, up next in the Fastest 15. Ooh, I like this topic. So, Nicole, you have... As many friends as anybody I know. You have lots and lots of very good close friends. Fair statement, right? I believe so, yes. Yes, okay. Uh, and you have some, I mean, you are one of my closest friends. You and, and John are very close friends. You have guy friends as well as girlfriends. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is it... Tougher to be friends with guys than with girls, from your perspective. And then I'll tell you why I'm asking. Hmm. No, not for me. Okay. Nope. Maybe easier. The reason easier. I ask is the New York Times has a fascinating story because I have, for a long time now, I've been really trying to work on developing more and deeper friendships. And I think I've been doing a pretty good job of this with guys. But the New York Times has a story, headline, Why is it so hard for men to make close friends? 
and talks about, especially after two years of social isolation, American men are stuck in a friendship recession. It's, uh, it talks about these guys who go out to dinner with a group of men every uh, once a year, right before Thanksgiving, because they were childhood friends, and they reconnect, but they don't stay in touch throughout the year. And I have found that my wife will just get together with girlfriends, just to get together. And I know you do the same with your girlfriends, Nicole. You'll just get together. You'll go have lunch. You'll have dinner. You'll go out Absolutely. for drinks, whatever, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Okay. Guys seem to need some other event. Like, we'll go golfing. Maybe we'll talk. We'll go bowling. Maybe we'll talk. You know, I've told the story a million times. When I was in my 20s, before we had kids, uh, I went bowling with a friend one night. And we were going to bowl three games. Loser buys all three games. That was a lot of money when I was 23 years old. Well... I won the first three. He goes, hey, you want to do another best two out of three? Okay. So we did another two out of three, and he won that. And we kept going. Anyway, we're tied 13 games to 13 games. So we bowled a 27th and final game. Loser buys all. It was going to be like 60 bucks, which was a fortune back then. I was gone for about five hours. And when I got home, uh, my wife and I had just gotten married recently. And she goes, oh, what would you guys talk about? We didn't talk. She said, what do you mean? You're gone for five hours. I said, yeah, we just made the terms of the bet, but while we were bowling, we were both so focused on trying to win and trying to lock in that we didn't talk at all. And and I've noticed that a lot with guys, that you know that we tend to focus on the competition that's bringing us together rather than the people. They're bringing us together. And that's why, you know, I've, I've told you how meaningful it's been for me to go, you know, you know, fishing up in Sitka. with, And all we do is talk and bond and brotherhood and stuff like that. And it's very, very important to me. But this uh, New York Times story, it talks about how men have a deep craving for intimacy with their friends, but most have no idea how to do that. That uh, And then they give you ways to overcome those obstacles. I just want to ask you, and then I'll, I'll share some of your answers next hour. But guys, do you have a tough time making deep, meaningful, communicative friendships as you get older? Because a lot of my, you know, I've got friends going back to when I was in high school. But uh, as you get busier and as other things dominate your time and your life, it does get tougher and tougher. But I'd, I'd like you to weigh in on this. Text us at 888-973-CAIRO, 888-973-5476. One of the things that has kept us apart up next in the Fest 15. Uh, as I said, two years of pandemic. Down in Australia, where they had some of the toughest pandemic restrictions in the world, a senator there, his name is Gerard Rennick. I like this guy. Because he is speaking out loud and clear about how Australia went way too far on the vax mandates and the lockdowns that kept everybody apart. Well, 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 here we are, the end of 2022, and we've had over 10 million cases of COVID. Uh, the Australian Health Department, of course, stopped counting around September sometime because I think it was getting too embarrassing to admit that despite with over 20 million people being vaccinated, over half the country had caught COVID. Whatever happened to protecting you? Whatever happened 
to protecting you. But we don't want to talk about that anymore. We'll just pull it off the website and not discuss it. People got vaxxed, but they still got COVID. People got vaxxed, and he says, and any problems caused by the vaccination that they are being buried. Almost 140,000 jab injuries, more than all the injuries reported from vaccines since 1971. More than all the injuries put together. You've got an injury rate that's three times higher, and yet the TGA don't want to look at the signal. The whole point of having a database where doctors report these injuries, where they tick the box suspected, and as the doctors say, they don't fill these forms out because they don't have the spare time. They don't have a lazy 20 or 30 minutes sitting around filling these forms out if someone uh, fell off a bike. No, no, they're ticking uh, these boxes because they believe that the vaccine caused the injury that they are reporting. And yet the uh, TGA want to pretend that there's nothing to see here. And why wouldn't they? Because Professor Skerritt is head of an organisation that is funded by Big Pharma. That is funded by Big Pharma. Now, if you want to talk about a conflict of interest, that's it. Can we all just agree that no matter what the guy is saying, that we could listen to an Australian accent all day? Just Man, that's a great accent. Uh, But he says that their own health advisor hasn't read the damning vaccine reports that have come in in their country. Guess what? He hadn't read it. Despite that, he'd been saying for the last uh, couple of days earlier that the spike protein wasn't in the blood. Well, had he read the report, he would have known that they never even tested the spike protein. And they would have also known that when they did the animal trials, that the report said there was no difference in lung inflammation between the placebo group and the vaccinated group after nine days. There was not one skerrick of evidence that showed that that vaccine was effective. But did anyone in this chamber right here, right now, actually read that report? I bet you not. But you all went out there and said it was safe and effective where you didn't have a clue what you were talking about. And shame on you. I love this guy because everything he's saying could apply here, too. When Jay Inslee told us all these wondrous things and how there's a pandemic of the unvaccinated, he had no clue. He was just told what to say. And then what happened when the trials started to go wrong? They stopped the trials, despite the fact that it doubled. It doubled. Yeah, listen to this, Senator Hanson Young. Despite the fact that the concentration of the lipids that are cationic, that are cationic, were doubled in the ovaries from day one to day two. You know what they did? They stopped the trial. They stopped the trial and they went and told everyone that it just stays at the site of injection. Well, that was a blatant lie. If you want to talk about misinformation, go and check out page 44 of the Pfizer non-clinical trial report. It tells you that rather than actually killing the actual pathogen, which is what a normal vaccine would have done, this particular vaccine goes inside your cell, takes over the reproduction, the ribosomes, which is what produces the uh, protein, and then starts producing more of the toxic substance. That is not the name of the game. You would want to actually kill the virus. You do not want to reproduce it. And, of course, Senator, uh, uh, sorry, uh, Brendan Murphy, the Chief Health Officer, claims that there's nothing to worry about. He never read the document. Um, we need some, I mean, we've got Rand Paul who speaks out in this country and who will challenge Fauci. We haven't had anybody challenging Jay Inslee. 
in our state and all the lives that he's been spending for almost three years now on all the downside of the vax. You know, I've told you that, uh, yeah, I got two regular vax and then one booster, and the second two shots made me sicker than I've been in a long, long time. And Inslee never talks about the downside of the vaccines, neither do the people in Australia. And then, of course, we've got the vaccine injury scheme, which is just a joke. And today and last night and day after day for the last 15 months, I get contacted by people who have had their lives destroyed by this vaccine, a vaccine that the government said was safe and effective. And if that isn't bad enough, that they, these people, and I'm looking at you people in this chamber here today, didn't read the documents, that took over someone else's body because it suited your narrative, your command and control narrative, you showed no humanity. No humanity. There are people out there that have not only injured, they have lost their jobs and they cannot get medical support to help them. In fact, how about the news today that Congress is not going to fund our military if the vaccine mandate for the military stays in place. So the federal government is getting some sense talked into it by the Republicans getting control of the House. But here Jay Inslee continues with his state worker vaccine mandate. Uh, and this guy, he was pushing some buttons and they didn't want to let him keep talking. Those people who are... Uh, being injured are an incredible amount of pain. And the fact that you're interjecting Senator Hanson Young just goes to show the type of person you are. How dare you come into this chamber? How dare you come into this chamber and start mocking the vaccine injured? Senator Waters, your point of order. Senator Rennick, please sit down. Senator Waters. Point of order reflecting on another senator as well as being odious and tedious. Odious and tedious is what he was being. But man, if you dare speak out against the multi, multi, multi billion dollar pharmaceutical industry and the way they've engineered this to be all money flow in their direction, then you're going to face some obstacles like this guy did. But I'm glad there's still people willing to speak out. And that is your Fastest 15. This has been the Fastest 15 Minutes in the News. Fast, 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 fast. Dory's Fastest 15. You give us 15 minutes, we'll give you the world. Tuesday afternoon, this is when Dave Wyman drops by for a weekly visit. That is coming up next. Here on the Dory Monson Show. Simply red. Not simply red. Uh, 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 tears for fears. Not tears for fears. Dang no. it. Um, say simply wrong. Simply wrong. It's not that either. Sorry, I didn't. I didn't hear you. It's neither of those. <laughs> um. Oh man! I'm done. I'm done. This is crowded house. Crowded house. Crowded house. I feel like we could have gotten that, but there was no real compelling reason why we should have, Dave. <laughs> That's one way to put it. Dave Wyman joins us every Tuesday. This time, from can, can I say where you are? Are you saying where you are? I don't care. Okay. Well, I didn't know if you were keeping it. On your show, because you've been doing your show from from the sunny climes of Southern Cal. Yeah, down here in Rancho Mirage. Oh, the conveyor Beautiful belt to there. death. Yes, it What's is. What's that? 
the conveyor belt to death. Yeah, that's what you always call it. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, hear I, sirens my, my every wife day. And I were down there about three weeks ago, and every once in a while, especially as our winter drags on, you need to get a little bit of sunshine once in a while. Yeah. Which I've not been outside yet. <laughs> really? No. I was doing my show, and then today I had to put together a bed, and yeah, it's. Uh, but it's not that. It's not super nice. But it's just good to be somewhere else. Okay. <laughs> you know. Well, so much for my hearty recommendation for people to get away. <laughs> no, so you it's were already awesome. down there for the the Seahawks game on Sunday against the Rams, right? Yeah, so I caught an Uber from the stadium, me and uh, a guy named Brandon Lim, who does all the uh, media stuff for the Seahawks. He's like their Twitter guy, <clears throat> young guy, you know, and he just mentioned, yeah, I'm staying down too. I'm like, all right, let's split an Uber. So went to Budget Rent-A-Car at LAX, got my car, drove here, and here we are. So you go. Cool. Nice little adventure. Well, and how the, the game itself... The it was closer than a lot of people expected because the Rams didn't have their quarterback. They were missing a bunch of other people, and the Seahawks had to scramble just to pull out a win. I know. Yeah, it was. You know, it's kind of one of those. For me, once you get into a game, and I, I was this way as a player. I mean, it's one thing as a fan to go, oh yeah, they they should kill them because you know this guy because you know they were missing Aaron Donald, Cooper Cup, Matthew Stafford. I mean, those are the three guys superstars. Yeah, there's the three guys that if you said, hey, you can remove anybody from their lineup, who would it be? Which three? It would be those three guys. So, yeah, yeah there's that part. But then, you know, there's the other part that when you get in, it's the NFL, man. You get into a game and it becomes an, its own separate entity. It's not about what anybody predicted. It, it was the way it went for me. I don't know if this is, if I'm explaining this the right way, but like you have an idea of how the game's going to go. And then you get into a game, and it just explodes. It's just an explosion of activity and different things. And, you know, you always see things that you've never seen before. And, you know, they have different ways of blocking things. There's so many different variables that you get into a game like that, and you realize, okay, we're in a dogfight. It doesn't matter who their players are, you know, and what guy's out. They're, you know, they're, they're playing well. And that's that was the case with the Rams, they they did a good job, and yeah, that ended up being like a really. I didn't realize how badly I wanted that win until that last drive. Meaning what? That well, I don't know. I just you just it was, was like more fired up by it than you yeah. anticipated. Yeah, I just you know usually games I oh well they're gonna lose this one or this one I was like really invested in I was kind of you know I got kind of emotional like the first drive when they went down and scored I was really angry I was in a bad mood and you know just saying ah they gotta do this and that I sound like a ranting old man on the radio but anyway yeah so uh, but but the way that thing ended and just the the way that they were able to. To get mount that last drive and everything, it was uh, it was a really good win. And uh, you you told us last week that you had had a little injury in your at your home working out and you broke some ribs. Yeah. And uh, I know you texted us, Nicole and me, when we were deciding what to talk about today. You had a moment right after the game on Sunday that 
uh, meant meant something special to you, it sounds like. <laughs> well, I was just standing there waiting for my, my partner, Brandon, who was going to, you know, split the Uber with me. I had all my stuff. And so I'm just in there chatting with the security guard. His name was Dave, older guy. And we, we were talking about the Raiders and, you know, all these old, old time, you know, uh, NFL stories and stuff like that. And uh, he's with the security company or whatever. So I'm just sitting there waiting, and then Pete comes out. And Pete's got one of my favorite guys in the world is his, I guess it's his bodyguard, but he has a, a guy who's an ex-Seattle cop that kind of you know follows Pete around like Chuck used to have. Chuck had this guy named Hal that was a retired cop that would always, you know, follow Chuck around. So John Kristoff is his name. He's one of my favorite people. He's just hilarious. So he comes walking by with Pete. And so Pete and I start talking about the game, and I go, man, I really wanted that game. And he goes, yeah, me too. <laughs> and I said, yeah, probably you a little bit more than me, right? Yeah. And so we start chatting, and then all of a sudden he goes, hey, so what's going on with, I hear that there's something going on with your ribs. What would you do, slip on the stairs or something? You know, I think he was asking me about, did I have a life alert button? You know, like I've fallen and I can't, you know, he's giving me a hard time about it. And so I, you know, I told him. Yeah, it was, you know, a weight that, like, it was going to either rip my shoulder or I had to drop it, and I dropped it. So, you know, I told him the story, but he was yeah. just like, yeah, oh, well, yeah, take care of yourself. I'm like, this guy just came off of coaching this really stressful game. It's about maybe 45 minutes after, and, you know, game-winning drive, the whole thing, and he sees me and starts asking me about my broken rib. <laughs> I'm like... It's just the guy is just like always present, you know, like whenever he talks to you, it's like you're the only guy in the room. Yeah, yeah. So. I, I think I, I told him that I thought that was his greatest quality because uh, at the Super Bowl, uh, they have media day where all the national media is there and there are thousands of people. And then he and I had to go into a side room, just the two of us and record a, a pregame interview and uh, and after being surrounded by every network person and thousands and thousands of media from around the world, I could tell that he was listening and giving interesting answers to everything I asked when his brain was going in a billion different directions because they were trying to win a Super Bowl. Yeah. And, um, and, I, and I've, I was always impressed by that skill of his. And then I'll, I'll tell you one other quick story. Uh, you know, John Nordstrom, who used to own the Seahawks. Yeah. Love but three you. years ago, I, I'm i home one evening, and I get a phone call. I say, it's John Nordstrom. Well, I get excited still that people like that care to call me. Yeah. And he goes, uh, Dory, I was at practice today. And uh, Pete Carroll came running over to me in the middle of practice, and he said, John, you got to call Dory and tell him where to get his knee replaced. Because oh, wow. Pete and John Nordstrom had gone to the same place in the Bay Area, and yeah. in the middle of practice, he sees John Nordstrom, he thinks, oh, John and I both got our knee replaced at the same place. And he goes and tells John Nordstrom to call me, to talk me into going to that place. And I was thinking, that is, that's a pretty unique quality, that you're in the middle of an NFL practice and you see something and, and it convinces you you should reach out to somebody who yeah. has nothing to do with your <laughs> job or anything. Yeah, well, but you know, it's funny. He did the same thing with me. It wasn't as dramatic as that. I mean, that's pretty amazing that he would do that during practice, right? Right. But he was walking after practice one time. He goes, "Hey, you're you're a bad knee guy, right?" And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm a bad knee guy." He goes, "Hey, I got to tell you about." It. it was the same thing, you know. He yeah. told me about where he went, and uh, I had this album. Turn this up.
Oh, uh, 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 uh. It's a... It's pathetic. I've, I've never voice. been more disappointed in myself. Than I know. Yeah, this is ridiculous. Uh, Tears for fear. No. <laughs> That's no. your go-to, isn't it? It's not <laughs> no, I, I know. Uh, is it John... Um, uh, what's his name? I don't know. I can't do it. I can't it, was, it, it is a name, but it's not John. Uh, Anything, Dory? Every No, the listeners are furious because they all know it, and Dave and I don't. Who is it? This is Bruce Hornsby and the Rain. Of course it is. Bruce of course Hornsby. it is. Okay, well, this is exciting. We're tied at zero. And we'll continue the conversation with Dave Wyman in just a moment here on the Dory Monson Show. That's just the way it is. And in fact, Stevie Wonder Hour, uh, is part of our. Oh, wait, Stevie Wonder. Yeah, sorry. sorry. <laughs> Uh, Dave did get that one. He jumped on it. Um, you got it before me, Dave? Yes, sir. Well, you went Dave. into your holiday magic. I was doing a promo. Oh, uh, next hour, I'm going to talk with a kid uh, in the holiday magic program in the foster care system treehouse. They helped him graduate from high school, and it's a really cool story. So I'm going to talk to this young man coming up next hour here on the big show. So you beat uh, awesome. me on Stevie Wonder? Yeah. Shocking. Yeah. So, Dave, I remember when you and I first met. It was, what was that, about 16, 17 years ago? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Okay, so you're in your early 40s. Uh-huh. And you were coaching a little high school football at the time. And I knew that you'd had a lot of serious knee injuries that ended your career. And I remember, and this was very early on, before we were really friends. And I said, so those, those high school kids you're coaching, could you go out today and play middle linebacker and, you know, and the best high school leagues at your age now. And you asked like you acted like I had asked the most insulting question in the <laughs> world. It was like, of course I could. Because uh, <laughs> right. I figured you'd slow down, your knee the knee injuries and everything. I watched Tom Brady at age forty five last night, and I would not ask him if he could go out and play high school football today. I have a feeling the answer is yes. Yeah. No kidding, man. Is he <laughs> amazing? You know, it's I have to say, I I really have always admired Tom Brady. Always admired it. And part of it was our good friend Paul Moyer yep. told us a story one time where he was taking Nick, his son, down to UCLA. And, you know, just to look at the campus because he was possibly going to go there and I think play football, I think, or maybe baseball. But, um, yeah, so Nick ended up down at San Luis Obispo where my son went. But, um, but yeah, he was out there working out, and I guess Paul went over and talked to him and wanted to introduce Nick, and Brady was just as cool as could be. You know, I was like, oh, man, good luck to you with your decision, and sat there and talked to him for a while. And then he, he mentioned that uh, that during the conversation, um, he was saying, yeah, Giselle's waiting for me. You know, I got kids and stuff going on and all that, and, you know, I still got to be a dad and all that, and that. For that reason, I, I am so disappointed yeah. about the fact that their marriage is is dissolving. I know it's just so it's such a such a bummer, man. I, yeah, uh, it seems to have self awareness about the importance of family and the role of yeah. family and, and all of that. But man, he can still get it done though. At age forty five, that was incredible last night. 
Yeah, yeah. Speaking of that, uh, I, yes. <laughs> I have we have a buddy Adam Ray who's a comedian that's just hilarious, and he he is he's played Jay Leno in Pam and Tommy, that series. Um, he he does an amazing, and he's a great comedian and everything. Well, he's friends with The Rock, so at the state uh, at the game the other day. Um, it was, I guess, The Rock's wife who was singing the national anthem, and she was phenomenal. She was really good. But I, we, they showed The Rock, and he's on the sidelines. The guy has—he's just huge. He looks like he's in better shape than any any football player that was on the yeah. field. And he's holding these two adorable little girls that are dressed the same. And I'm going, oh, I wonder why. And then at the end, she walks over, and I, I was like, oh, it's his wife. So um, I told Adam Ray, I was like, I texted him, I go, that was the best anthem I've heard in, you know, in since I've been doing radio. It's It was so good. I went on and on. So he texted that to The Rock, and I guess The Rock texted back and said, yeah, you know it, brother, or something like that. And, uh, and he goes, so you effectively texted The Rock. <laughs> so I got to talk to The Rock. Look at you. You're quite a celebrity. <laughs> Oh, uh, oh, I this hear is uh, war. Wow. Dave t- comes back. He breaks his losing streak. Yeah, I hear the shuffling of paper. 20 to 16 now, Dave. 20 to 16 with I didn't... only a couple weeks left in the year. I thought I was within a field goal. Maybe it's 27. Man, I got to yeah, score a touchdown. Right. 2017. Oh, okay. All right, just updated the sheet. All right, Dave Wyman, you can hear him every afternoon on 710 Seattle Sports. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate it. Okay, thanks, man. See ya. See ya. And the big lead of two, nonsense in high school sports, coming up next.